Okay, well, we're continuing our series called Summer Sermons on the Mount. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, kind of piece by piece. Uh, We've ended up here in chapter 7. We're starting in verse 7 of chapter 7 in Matthew. When you watch the TV show Biography or any of the knockoffs appearing on every cable network, it seems like, you sometimes see stories of people who just seem to be lucky. They just got all the luck in the world. They just get all the breaks. They, they, they get the part after their first rehearsal or their audition. They uh, write a song, the first song they've ever written. It becomes the number one hit. The first business idea somebody has makes them a million dollars. And we all know people like that, and not all of them are famous. But they just seem to happen to get in that spot at the right time at the right place without hardly any effort on their part. Well, we also know people just the opposite. They seem to attract bad luck like a magnet. If there's a hole in the ground, they're going to fall in it. If a tornado comes through town, it's going to hit their house. If a computer crashes, it's their computer. Some days, even though you may not believe in luck, you feel like that person, right? There are some self-help gurus who teach that you can attract good luck or bad luck, depending on your mental attitude. And they offer techniques that help you exude confidence and create the life of your dreams. Of course, they uh, want you to buy their material, and it may not help you much, but it helps them create the life of their dreams. Here's a part of a letter. It's, It's an advertising for a book with this kind of stuff. It starts off, Dear Friend. Don't you love those? Dear Friend. Like, it's addressed to a resident. Okay? This may be the luckiest day of your life. By the time you finish reading this personal letter, personal letter, you'll know exactly what to do to make $5,000, $10,000, or even $100,000 cash in the next few weeks. If it's multiple choice, I'll take the $100,000, right? Plus, prosper in every area of your life, emotionally, personally, physically, romantically, and even financially. All you have to do is learn the simple, easy, secret system a scientist spent his life uncovering. The letter then describes how the author transformed his life from living in a shack and driving a dump to living in a $3 million mansion and driving Mercedes. It goes on to promise that all you need to do is purchase this system and you will live like a millionaire without lifting a finger. This guy's going to sell a lot of books because there's a lot of people out there that want to create that in their lives without lifting a finger, especially. Over the years, I've met many Christians who have the same approach to life, only they use different terminology. Their attitude is that when it comes to answered prayer or pursuing our goals and dreams in life, we're not supposed to do anything at all. We can just let God take care of everything while we just go along for the ride. That attitude may sound a little spiritual to some people, but it's not what Jesus teaches in Matthew 7. Instead, he teaches that we play an important role in our own answered prayers. Jesus teaches that we are not to approach life just 
passively, waiting for things to just fall in place. But we approach life aggressively, make some things happen, and we do it for his glory. Fate, fortune, luck really has nothing to do with it. However, we can create our own, what some people on the outside of this message are going to call luck, we can improve our circumstances in life through prayer and corresponding actions. I call this message, How to Create Your Own Luck. And luck is in quotation marks because I don't really believe in luck. I don't believe in fate or fortune or any of that kind of stuff. People who believe in these things, I kind of think they use them as an excuse to just live life passively, completely passive. And that's not the approach that Jesus wants us to take. Instead, he tells us in today's passage this. Here's how he wants us to approach life. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. These three verbs, ask, seek, and knock, they're all written in the present imperative tense. That means it describes continuous action. It doesn't stop. In other words, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Jesus is telling us that one key to answered prayer is to pursue it consistently, persistently, and aggressively. It sounds a little bit like our three-part process here at Cornerstone. We have this thing called the three-part process, celebrate, connect, and reach. And if you look at our, our logo, the word Cornerstone, it's, it's an infinity sign in there. We did that on purpose. <laughs> it means we are in this process continually of celebrating God, connecting with each other, reaching out. We never camp out on a spot in that infinity sign. We're constantly moving, constantly going somewhere with it. You see, waiting around for better luck and offering up a couple of half-hearted prayers will not create lasting change in our lives. In these verses, Jesus tells us how to present our prayers to God, how to approach our goals, our dreams, our ambitions, and really everything else in life. So what we're going to do, <coughs> we're going to look at these three things that Jesus mentioned and take them one at a time. And they're a lot deeper than you would expect. The first one, ask. We need to ask consistently. Now, this is what I mean by that. Make sure your actions are consistent with what you're asking for. Okay? Don't ask for one thing and do another. Guys, if you're praying for Miss Wright to come along, all right? Miss Wright, you want her to come along? You want her to be wholesome. You want her to be a church-going homebody type. Well, you may not want to look for her in the local beer place. Just doesn't work that way. Your actions need to be consistent with your prayers. We need to look at our prayer list. And in our goals, our, the, the things we want out of life. And then ask ourselves, am I acting in a way that is consistent with what I'm asking for? 
If I pray, Lord, please help my kids to turn out well, but I fail to give them direction or I berate them and criticize them every step of the way, well, my prayers become ineffective. My actions indicate what I'm really asking for. I see this with churches a lot. Their prayers say things like, Lord, help us reach the world. Help us reach new young families. Help us to reach the lost. But then their actions say, as long as it doesn't inconvenience us, as long as it doesn't cost us any money, and watch this one, as long as we don't have to change anything, just doesn't work that way, does it? We need to make sure our actions are consistent with our prayers. We can't say, Lord, help me lose weight and then go pig out. That doesn't work because I've tried it. (laughs) We can't say, Lord, help me lead my friend to Christ and then act like a total jerk around them. We can't say, Lord, bless me financially and then refuse to be generous. So if our actions are not consistent with what we're asking for, what's the solution? To stop asking? Of course not. We need to keep asking. The solution is to start acting in ways that are consistent to what we really want. Think about what's on your prayer list right now. Just think about it right now. And ask yourself, what can I do to be more consistent with this request? Let me give you a personal example of how this worked in my life. I was struggling with resentment towards somebody. I was really upset with them. We had been friends for years. This was some years back. And um, we had a disagreement. And uh, we ended up moving different states from each other. And, and uh, there was this big silence between us. Well, eventually I began to pray, Lord, you know, I don't want to be a slave to this resentment. It's just like this thing down in me. I'm angry. I don't want that anymore. Would you just kind of help heal this relationship? Well, I have to admit that I took no action in that direction. But he did. See, he prayed a prayer similar to mine, except he started looking for me. And he found me on Facebook. He sent me a private message, and he apologized. And we became friends again, not just Facebook friends, but authentic friends. You see, if it was just up to me, we would still be at odds. Instead, he took action consistent with his prayers, and those prayers were answered. When we pray for something, we should be prepared to take actions that are consistent with what we're asking for. It makes an amazing and powerful difference. Let's look at the next action verb here. Seek persistently. Persistently. My mom has this habit of putting things in special places. You know, she will actually hide things and then forget where that special place is. Uh, One time she was up here visiting with us for about a week, and uh, she couldn't find some pills that she had brought, some medicine. So the hunt was on. We dumped out the luggage. We went through all the clothing, 
every piece of clothing. I was ready to call the police for a drug-sniffing canine dog. Well, I gave up. I gave up, but she didn't. She prayed that God would lead her to her lost pill. And she kept looking the entire week. She just looked and looked and looked. When she returned home and she said she prayed again on the plane, she unpacked her suitcase, dumped everything out, and started looking once more. Guess what she found in a little pouch with her jewelry? You see, I said amen to her prayer, but I stopped seeking. She didn't. You may have heard the story of Mel Fisher. He's a treasure hunter. In the 60s, he began diving off the coast of Florida. He was looking for this priceless treasure from a Spanish fleet that had sunk in the 17th century. For more than 16 years, this guy looked and looked and looked. Some of his team members gave up and quit. Some of his investors lost faith in him and cut the money supply off. Still, he kept seeking. Finally, on July 20th, 1985, he found what he was looking for. The Spanish galleon containing a treasure worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It took more than 6,000 days of persistent seeking, but he finally found it. Jesus says, if you want something, keep looking until you find it. Heard a funny guy talking about finding things. He says, why do people say the things they do? Like, like, you know, it was the last place I thought of looking. Well, of course it was the last place. You wouldn't find it and keep looking, you know. But Jesus wants us to keep looking till we have that last place and find it. Do you want your marriage to work? Do you really want it to work? Well, then keep looking for ways to make it work. Do you want your business to thrive? Then keep looking for ways to do your job better. Do you want to experience an overwhelming sense of God's presence in your life that fills you with peace each day? Well, keep looking for it. These things may not happen on the first try or the second or the third, but keep seeking, keep looking for a way to make it happen. Listen to some of these examples. Henry Ford went broke five times before he finally succeeded. The manuscript to the novel MASH was rejected by 21 publishers before it was finally published. The rock group Boston, most of you guys don't remember, I'm, I remember Boston. Yeah, you remember Boston? More than a feeling. Okay. Uh, you know, they were turned down by literally every major record label at least twice before their first album was released. It went on to become, at that time, the greatest selling debut album in history. Sammy Sosa, he bounced around for years in the minor leagues before he, before he finally became a star in Chicago. Winston Churchill, didn't, he didn't become prime minister of England until he was 62, and then only after a lifetime of defeats and setbacks. He made his greatest contributions while he was a senior citizen. And we're looking to retire, right? Speaking of Churchill, his most memorable speech was made to a graduating class at Oxford. 
he approached the podium and said this, students, never, 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 never give up. And the story goes that he went and sat down. That was his speech. That was it. It's a pretty good one, right? Nobody's going to forget the point. (laughs) One of our presidents, Calvin Coolidge, said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Jesus said, keep on seeking and you will find it. This makes us partly responsible for answers to our prayers. Prayer is not a matter of sending God a to-do list and say, God, could you get this done for me? No way. It's a matter of saying, God, I know you provide. So I'm going to keep looking for the answer to this prayer as long as it takes. So people ask, what if God doesn't want me to have what I'm seeking? That happens sometimes. But even when it does, we can still find something in the no answer that God wants to use to teach us. The persistence never goes to waste as long as we're seeking God. For example, he doesn't want your marriage to make you miserable. It's God's will that you have a happy marriage, a happy marriage with the person you're currently married to. And that's waiting for you somewhere. Find it. Seek after it. A dynamic, Christ-centered relationship with your, your children. That's waiting for you somewhere. Seek after it until you find it. A meaningful, God-given mission in life in which you can be involved to help change the world, change people's lives. It's waiting for you. Seek until you find it. The third one, knock. We need to knock fearlessly, fearlessly, courageously. Something really cool happened this week. You know how you read a scripture a million times and it's the same old, same old. I always read this scripture. Well, it's three things. Jesus is making a point. He he really wants it to be driven home, so he does three things. I never saw this until this week. There's kind of a progression of intensity in these three words. Asking for God to, to, to do something, it, that's a step of faith, but it's kind of safe, right? I'll just ask, what can it hurt, you know? It requires a step of faith. Seeking after it with the hope of finding it requires a little more faith. Now you've got to get off your duff a little bit and do something. But being bold enough to knock at the door of opportunity requires even greater faith and courage because when you knock on the door, you run the risk of rejection. It's one thing to ask God to send Miss Wright into your life. It's another thing to approach Miss Wright and ask her for a date, (laughs) especially if she's not convinced you're Mr. Wright. It's one thing to ask God to bless your business. It's another thing to call on a customer and try to sell him your product because the customer may not want your product. It's one thing to ask God to heal your relationship with your rebellious teenage child. It's another thing to reach out and try to tear down some of those walls that have been built between the two of you. It's one thing to ask God to reach the world for Christ. 
to help you do it. It's another thing to approach people and start up a conversation about the power of God in your life and possibly their life too. You get what I'm saying here? Knocking. Knocking on the door takes courage. It's the hardest part of the equation, but it's the one with the payoff. We have to knock courageously. We have to go out and, so to speak, beat the bushes. By knocking on the door, we kind of create our own opportunities. I was coaching a baseball game once with 10-year-olds, and there were two players on my team, Jack and Matthew. They were comparable in talent, but their attitudes were total opposites. You see, Jack was maybe a pinch better than Matthew, but, but when the game was on the line, Jack did not want to go up to plate to the plate, or he didn't want to get on the mound. He did not want to be there. But Matthew was the opposite. His attitude was, give me the ball, coach. Let me see what I can do. Well, Matthew was pitching, and it was the bottom of the last inning. We were ahead by one run. There were two outs, but the bases were loaded, and their best batter was up. So I called timeout, and I approached the mound to talk to Matthew. And Matthew began shaking his head. As I was walking out, he's shaking his head and said, no, no, no. Don't, don't take me out, coach. Don't take me out. I can do it. I can do it. By the time I got to him, I was laughing. It was so humorous. I thought, this is cool. I said, Matthew, I'm not going to take you out of the game. I just wanted to come out and encourage you, but I can see that you actually don't need that. <laughs> so I walked back into the dugout. Matthew struck the guy out. We won the game. Of course, we could have just as easily lost the game. Matthew had given up his share of hits. But I still would have been so impressed with this kid, admired by his courage for wanting the ball when the game was on the line. There was a movie called The Replacements. Gene Hackman was the coach. Keanu Reeves was the quarterback. And and Hackman says, winners always want the ball. Hockey legend Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. They're saying the same thing. Knock on the door. Knock fearlessly. Create opportunities. When we pray for something, we kind of become a partner with God. Now, we don't get the credit. God gets the credit. But we're in this thing with God. Not just sitting back passively. We don't pray and then put it in neutral. We pray and put it in overdrive and see what happens. One of the most talented musicians I know never saw his ministry get off the ground for one reason. He wouldn't knock on the doors. He wouldn't go for it. He said, I don't want to build my own kingdom. He said, I have, if I have a ministry in music, I want it to be because Jesus wraps it up and gives it to me as a gift. To an extent, he has the right attitude about about not wanting to toot his own horn. But with all that spiritual rhetoric, he's still trying to do it his own way, not God's way. God's way is ask, seek, and knock. Beat the bushes, work hard, make your own breaks, create opportunities, go for it. 
you may ask again at this point, but what if God doesn't want me to knock on this door? If you're not sure about that, remember what step one is. Ask. You're asking, what's God's will in this? If you're seeking his will for your life, he's not going to trick you into knocking on the wrong door so you do something he doesn't want you to do. That's why Jesus said, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So what do we conclude from all of this? When it comes to what we accomplish in life, our goals, our desires, what we receive, luck has nothing to do with it at least not for followers of Jesus Christ. We're called to pursue our goals and our dreams, our ambitions, with intensity. When you know something is God's will for your life, go after it with everything you've got. We're not supposed to wait passively for everything to just fall in place. We're supposed to go after it aggressively, pursue what He's called us to do. If there's something you want and you ask God, he's going to talk to you. It may take a while, but he's going to talk to you. When you know something's God's will for your life, then then you're seeking it. Do it persistently. Ask consistently. Go, Go in the right places that are consistent with your prayers. Seek until you find it. Just keep after it. And then knock fearlessly, even in the face of possible rejection, even in the face of possible failure. Keep knocking, because you know what's behind the door? Exactly what you're wanting. Remember, it was Jesus who said this. I love this translation. This is the easy read version. It starts off with yes. Whoever continues to ask will receive. There's no wishy-washiness in that sentence, is there? Will. Whoever continues to look will find. And whoever continues to knock will have the door open for them. Got it? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father... Wow, it sure would be nice to sit back and not have to do anything, but then what would we be? Pretty boring. Here you're asking us to ask, seek, and knock, and to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Lord, we want to do that. Sometimes we have a hard time because we don't understand. We don't know the future We're scared, we're insecure, we're unsure. So Lord, even though we don't understand everything, would you guide us? One thing we do know, you said you'd always be with us. 
You never leave us. You would never forsake us. You're always there to guide us, correct us, and teach us. So we thank you for that. And we, we have faith and rely on that truth to help when we don't understand things. Help us to ask and seek and knock. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.